0: What's up, guys? This is Mike with Modern Da Vinci, and welcome to another Small Business Connected podcast. I'm very excited today to welcome Fletcher Wimbush, CEO of the Higher Talent who has just an amazing background. He's co-authored a book called Hiring Talent Team Players, a guide to getting it right. He's created the Power Interview Guide, and he's published hundreds of hiring and recruiting articles as a thought leader for websites like Monster.com, Recruiter.com, and more. Uh, His website is TheHireTalent.com, and on there they have a complete hiring and recruiting platform uh, for uh, businesses of all sizes. And their goal really is to increase retention, make hiring easy, and improve productivity, which are things I think we can all get behind as small business owners. Uh, he's got things like EQ and IP abilities and assessment tests, skills tests, work personality assessments, sales aptitude and skills testing and, and so much more and I'm going on and on here. So, uh, Fletcher, let me just say, hi, thanks for taking the time to talk with me today and welcome to modern DaVinci.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much, Mike. We're really, I'm really excited to be here and I'm looking forward to the conversation.
0: Yeah. Great. So, so first of all, did I get that all right? And and can can you correct where I got it wrong and tell us all a little bit more about your business?
1: Oh, well, I, I think you did a great job. Um, so no, you, you really nailed it. I'll, you know, in, in, in summary, uh, the core of our business are the pre-employment assessment uh, uh, tests. So we provide these tools for hiring managers, owners, uh, recruiters to use in their selection process uh, in order to help predict on the job success when they're hiring. Uh, so we we've, we've been doing this for uh, an awful long time. Uh, business has been in place since 1980 and. Uh, the, the assessments uh, uh, really began to take off in the early 90s. Uh, technology allowed us to, to crunch the data, and, and, uh, and that continues to, to this day. So,
0: That's incredible. Since uh, 1980, I was going to ask how long you'd been in business. Uh, have you been collecting recruiting information and, and sort of refining your recruiting process over all that period of time?
1: Yeah, we, we have. So, um, it's, uh, it's been, a, a, an interesting path. Um, so this is a, a legacy business. My, my father, uh, started back then and, um, he's the, the technical genius behind it. Um, and I, you know, I, I got the bug, uh, I guess through, uh, uh, being his, his, uh, son and, and, and his, uh, <laughs> and being influenced by him and, like some, some, uh, some kids, um, you know, maybe run from their, their parents, uh, livelihoods and, <laughs> and I kind of gravitated to it like a magnet, you know, I've, I've always loved it. So.
0: Now that get, uh, get your training early. I mean, hiring and recruiting is such a big deal, uh, for so many people. And, and I, uh, I can say that from personal experience. I mean, just, I've spent an enormous amount of time trying to figure out how to do it right now, I've always sort of equated hiring and recruiting as kind of a team-building activity. And in fact, we've had some team-building experts on before um, recently, James Bennett, who you know from Firefly Events. And they yeah. kind of say the same things. Their goal you know, is to increase retention, improve productivity, all the same goals I used to worry about. Um, how is? Can you tell us how what you do is different from traditional team-building like Firefly would describe it?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know James Bennett personally, and he's a great guy. And what he does is amazing. Um, you know, really helps un- unlock, uh, the interpersonal relationships folks, uh, have on their teams. And, and that, you know, ultimately improves communication and, and, uh, and, and that kind of buy-in that folks have to an organization. Um, you know, ultimately what, what our focus is, is on getting the right people on the bus. So, um, you know, we're really passionate about that component of it. And we, we believe strongly that if you get folks that are, you know, enthusiastic, great team players, positive attitudes, who have the right core competencies, and that's where, like, where the emotional intelligence, uh, the cognitive thinking kind of abilities are sort of core, core abilities, not attached to a, ne- a specific skill set or experience necessarily. Uh, if, if you're able to kind of get, get those two things right, uh, it really improves the quality of folks on the team, uh, ultimately uh, uh, strengthening the retention of, of everybody. Uh, when you have A players on a team uh, uh, or, and a team that's mostly made up of A players, that really can uh, create a dynamic working environment that is exciting and keeps people around and uh, ultimately makes them more productive, drives uh, business outcomes, whether it be in sales or in, in innovation or uh, efficiencies, right?
0: Yeah, that, yeah, that, I think that's uh, the unicorn we're all looking for is getting all those a players on board. you have just a, a team of a players is a phenomenal thing once you get it going. That, what what kinds of companies have you worked with in the past? Is it only small businesses? Is it businesses of all si- sizes?
1: Yeah, so we definitely have had a focus on small businesses. We uh, our, our spectrum does range from, uh, you know, very large businesses all the way down to the small ones. Uh, since the vast majority of businesses in the United States are uh, considered small, maybe small to medium-sized businesses, uh, we definitely do the majority of our work with those types of companies. Um The spectrum is wide. I mean, everything from professional services to manufacturing, uh, especially nowadays, it's mostly advanced manufacturing, aerospace, medical device, um, marketing companies, uh, uh, car car dealerships, service companies. um, So the list kind of goes on and on you know uh so where some, we where we get involved
0: there's some commonality uh it sounds like between what you do and regardless of the industry that you're working in
1: yeah no definitely um you know for for us it can kind of everything continues to go back uh you know at the, the core of what we do in our in our products and services really uh number one focuses on getting uh Good quality team players on, on on the bus and really focusing on that that attitude integrity aspect of it. Uh, I think probably all of us have experienced having somebody on a team who's become a problem generator or is <laughs> toxic uh, you that's know, you the, lacks personal responsibility. you know
0: it's the worst.'ve <laughs> we've, uh, we've written articles on that because it, it is a, such a common problem.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's amazing. Um, and, and it doesn't matter how talented that person is. Uh, they could have all the skills and, and be super bright and, and even highly effective at doing their job. But when they bring a uh, kind of a, a negative attitude or a, a disruptive attitude to the team, it, it, it brings down the rest, the rest of the people that they're around it, it, uh, drives away a players. So, you know, other a players don't want to be on a team with somebody who's toxic. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to come into work uh, and and be in that environment. Right. Uh, And also discourages other folks from, from uh, uh, being themselves ultimately, and which then prevents them from, from being effective.
0: So is this, is this a, I was going to ask you about common challenges that you see across you know, different types of businesses. Is this one of them and, and are there others that you help people solve?
1: Yeah. So this is, that's kind of our, our number one focus. Uh, the tools we provide are, are multi-measure. So that's the first thing on the list that we're measuring. Uh, the second area falls into those core, what we consider core competencies and um, in, in that area, we're looking at a, emotional intelligence. Um, so we r- really want to f- find folks that have a, a good understanding both of their own uh, s- s- self. So it, it, emotional competence and, and, and IQ really begins with that self-awareness aspect. Uh, do I kind of understand how I think and feel and operate and can I be honest with myself? And then can I uh, take that to the next level and do I understand how other people think and feel and react to me and others? And then ultimately using all that information to, to help uh, communicate and, and, and uh, work with others more effectively to get things done at the end of the day. So uh, a lot a lot of it revolves around communication and awareness and attitude, um, but, so that all all kind of fully encompasses in that emotional intelligence. And then one of the really, uh, the next big areas is that, that critical thinking, uh, logic, uh, being able to think, think dynamically, uh, about, uh, problems. And so that's a, a huge predictor of success as well. So, so when you really combine those, uh, three things, it, the ability to predict on the job success gets so much higher, um,
0: that and this is really interesting because I've lived through many interviews. I've given many interviews to potential candidates. Um, I've seen many recruiting processes, and one thing is, as as I was thinking about this and in, in our discussion here, is that they all seem very traditional, um, right? You you interview a candidate, yeah. Yeah, you take them out to lunch. You you have them show their portfolio of work, whatever that may be. And then you just kind of compare them to everybody else that you've interviewed along the way. You've got some more detail that you just went into there. So what's wrong with that traditional model? Or if I flip the question on its head, how can we improve that model to really hire outstanding employees? Is it following those three uh, aspects of,
1: of hiring that you just went over? <laughs> yeah, well, de- definitely, we believe so. Um, you know, we really come from a, a standpoint, and, and of course, there are certain businesses and, and industries and jobs that you have to have special skills and experience for. We definitely don't dismiss that. But we also believe that if you have those core uh, attributes um, and those are strong, then with the right training and the right experiences, then that person will be, uh, a a lot more successful. Um, I, I, I think you bring up a really interesting point about, you know, kind of what's wrong with the, the traditional interviewer selection model. Um, you know, I, I, I guess one, I suppose one way to think about it is, uh, uh, for you for you, Mike. I mean I, I saw your profile. You've been in leadership roles and, and very successful throughout your career. How many people do you think you've actually interviewed uh throughout your professional career so far?
0: Oh geez. Uh dozens. Uh I, I'm I'm wondering if maybe over a hundred um it, it's possible, but certainly dozens.
1: Yeah, yeah. So and, and that's you know that's a, a pretty significant number, and you're uh, 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 a guy that has had a long, successful career, and you're in the dozens, maybe up to 100 people. Uh, one of the, the challenges, I think, for most hiring managers, business owners, is if you think about that over the, the span of your career, that's not actually that big of a number. It's maybe five, 10 people a year, probably, right? That's true, yeah. So where do hiring managers and, and interviewers get the practice to become experts at assessing candidates
0: <laughs> on, the, on those first candidates, they interview <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, those poor, those poor candidates. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately so for them, I, unfortunately for them or somebody, <laughs> they know, um, you know, I, I think it really revolves around that, that in business and, and all the things that we do in our business lives as, as as professionals, interviewing and selecting people, none of us get a lot of exposure to that. None of us get a lot of training on it. None of us get a lot of practice on it. And uh, so a, t- a tool like an assessment definitely helps obje- uh, create an objective measure in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not just here to evangelize the use, the use of assessments. Um, and as you noted, we, we publish hundreds and hundreds of, of articles and, and uh, tools and thought pieces in relation to that, that general selection process. And, and the, the common theme there is when we go into a selection process, we, we need to be intentional and we need to be objective and everything we do should be uh, geared towards m- measuring the candidate in the most objective manner, and, and looking for evidence that supports uh, potential success in whatever role that we're looking for. So, so too often we go into interviews and lunches and and uh, selection activities with not a ton of intention or or. Guidelines on how we're going to evaluate the person. We, it's sort of a feel, a touch. Uh, it's a, I like the person. There's not a lot of, of objectivity going on, right?
0: Yeah, I can, uh, I can say. Over time, we originally started doing interviews with that uh, sort of subjective feel to it. Just. Do I like this person? Did they seem to know what they're talking about? And the more and more that we quantified it, uh, the more we saw good results down the road. The more that we saw people that stuck around, uh, and people that really produced for us, and people that got along with other employees in the organization, and it, and it just made for a better work environment. Now that all took you know ten years to figure out, but <laughs> we we were getting yeah, there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, no. That's, I mean, that's it. And I think, you know, folks like like you, you know, have gone through that life cycle of kind of uh, ups and downs and successes and failures uh, with with making hires. And and I think most people come to that conclusion eventually. So if we can accelerate the learning process for future leaders um, by you know sharing this information with them, um, then, then you know that that that's great. Um, sure. So, you know, I, again, I love this question. Uh, I'd like to to touch on because because I, I think the process is not necessarily broken; it's the execution, right? Okay. Uh, so how how so? Ult- well, it goes, it goes back to uh, the the making it objective and, and measurable. Um, if well, my ultimate hiring process. And this is what we, we review in the power interview guide, uh, in, in, you know, pretty good detail, but you know, we, we want to, we want to have a, a structured process we, and we want to move through it intentionally. And ultimately it's, sh- we want it to be multi-step, uh, and multifaceted. Um, so really what I like to encourage people to do is have some sort of a, a, short introduction interview, uh, where right away you cut to the chase and, and start to look for that, those measurable experiences, uh, the, the measurable uh, successes that that person has had. Uh, we also right off the bat, we begin to collect references from past direct supervisors, um, and that's a topic if we want to get into something that, I, that, I'm, that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, well, and, be, and then
0: that'd be fascinating. Yeah. I was so, just going to say uh, of all of the uh, objectification that we did over the years, one thing that we could never put a finger on was how to ask references, those right questions, but, but we can come back to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, we, and we, we really should. But um, so, so, but, but from the very first interview, you want to cut straight to the chase in terms of the, the meat of what makes somebody successful. So uh, right off the bat, I want to, I want to be asking about uh, uh, what's made them successful when evaluating those their answers carefully and asking a lot of good follow-up questions. And I want to collect those references. Um, then of course I, I encourage using an assessment tool early in the process. So that way when we get to the later stages, uh, we have that information to help evaluate the person as opposed to the very last step. And then I'm trying to reconcile my experiences with the person with the assessment results, but I'm not intending to meet with the person again. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, a, a really powerful first interview I think is is super important. Uh, so I think we miss the boat on that. A lot of times, a lot of times that first interview is very light, very kind of sort of fluffy we're just beginning to feel each other out um i don't see any reason why we can't dig deeper right off the bat right and it, then
0: kind of then, a screening uh process almost why I move to the second interview if the first one didn't have any meat to it
1: yeah cuz usually the first one is like well i like this person you know the background seems good but we didn't get into a lot of detail Um, you know, the resume is good, you know, uh, they communicated well enough that I feel like I should move them on to the next step. So there's really, so often the first interview, people don't walk away with a lot of evidence of why this person is really has a high potential for being successful, right?
0: Mm -hmm. How many interviews would you suggest a company go through? You're referring to a first interview, which kind of leads me to believe that they're Ought to be a second, maybe third. Um, you know, how much is too much, or or what's that right balance, uh, to get it right?
1: Yeah. So, depending on the the level of the position, that can vary a little bit. But let's say a more traditional professional style role or a key person. I mean, even if you're hiring an admin and they're going to be a key person in your organization, that's the case in a lot of small businesses. But you know, when I want to have an initial screening interview. I like to do an assessment of some sort or skill testing after that, um, and then and then I'm doing either one to two in depth interviews. So the more the higher the level of the role, the more of an impact it's going to make in the business. I'm definitely going to lean towards t- towards two of those uh, interviews. Um, the, the second interview, maybe some of you guys are familiar with top grading. Um, it's a very, very in-depth style of interviewing. Uh, so I like to follow a general uh, uh, career history interview style that, that they, uh, talk about and top, top grading there.
0: And top grading and then, is, uh, you said top grading. Uh, can you just describe that in a little, yeah. I'm not familiar with that concept.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, uh, let's see, it's, uh, Brad smart and, um, they've written a book called top grading and this is a pretty, it's a pretty old school style of interviewing. It, you know, for me, uh, I, I, I you know I study these things so much, and uh, what is old is new to me, <laughs> you know in this world. but sure. but basically, the basic principle is they want to take people from the very first job that that person's ever had and and then let them tell their life story step by step. Hmm. Uh, and And what that does is create a natural flow to a conversation. You know if you start skipping around my career history, it's easy for me just to naturally omit things because I'm trying to address whatever specific question that you've asked me. Sure. If, if instead you say, Hey, tell me your story. What was the first job you ever had? And I begin, you know, I wash cars and spray, you know, and then, and then I went to college and here's some experiences I had. And at any point you can stop me and dig deeper if uh, to find relevance. Um, and then you can interject, uh, uh, you know, really, my one of my favorite interview questions is, "What was your most significant achievement in that role?" And then that that can open up a whole Pandora's box of just uh, of of information about that person, of how they achieved what they did, and and what made them successful, and experiences, and what how they interacted with other people on the team. And I can do that at every stage of their career, depending on how in depth I want to get with. Them.
0: Yeah, this this style worries me a little bit because uh, mine would start off with uh, first career being in Chuck E. Cheese, but that's a that's for a different day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you generally don't dwell on the early stuff too much, but you know, the the, the path that our lives take tells us a lot about uh, the individual, you know, what's important to them uh, and what motivates them. That's it, interesting, and it asked it, yeah, and ask in a way where I'm not asking directly. I'm asking, well, what do you like to do? Well, then you sort of can make up an answer in relation to something that sounds good. If it's a little more open-ended, like, tell me about yourself, right? Tell me about how you got to where you, where, where you are today and, and uh, keep keeping focused on that conversation, it gets uh, pretty interesting. Yeah,
0: this is really neat because in the beginning we were talking about you know, quantifying uh, and creating an objective set of of tests for somebody, and yet now we're talking about a very you know human part uh, of of the interview process, right? The the story, the backstory of the person, the motivations of the person. Um, is it is it your goal as a recruiter, as as somebody who would advise somebody on hiring, to get them to quantify everything, or you know what role do these kind of human questions and motivations play in the recruiting process?
1: Yeah, so that that's that's a, a good question. Um, so we we want it to be human, right? I, I can't sit here and pound you with a bunch of questions. It's just that that's not human either, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we want to make it natural. We want to make the the. the can- Comfortable, so this style of making somebody comfortable because so they get to tell their story. Now, the challenge is again, where we don't, we haven't practiced this, is we, we do have to keep them on task, we got to stay focused. Um, and, and I've always said, the there's no necessarily wrong interview question. The best interview question is one that comes with like three to five follow up questions, right? So that's how we take this kind of natural human story, and as we're going along, we dig deep into to the areas that are most relevant to what we're what we're dealing with, and so that's where you can sort of bridge this this human conversation, and then begin to make it more quantifiable because I'm going to dig into the nitty gritty and and look for evidence and facts uh, in that conversation that support uh, what I'm looking for. So if I'm looking for an engineer, you know, I want to, I, I want to hear the story about the guy who built, you know, his own, uh, soapbox car when he was a kid, you know, <laughs> and how he beat all the other kids, you know, and then in college, how he was, in, you know, part of the engineering society and they made a robot you know, yeah, uh, uh, and so forth. Right. So now I'm starting to gain evidence so it's taking that human story and, and picking out the evidence that supports what I'm looking for or doesn't support what I'm looking for. If he starts telling me a story about how he was a great candy bar salesman, but he's applying for an uh, 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 engineering job, well, maybe maybe engineering's not really the right personality or not not personality fit for this this guy. You know, maybe maybe he's probably better apt to. Doing something that requires working with people more, right?
0: Right, right. There's uh, some dots that haven't been connected there that you can either press them on in the interview or or say this isn't the right fit.
1: Yeah. So, so it's that uh, keep it human to keep it natural to get the truth, as well as not to ask leading questions as well. So, it really op- opens it up. I want it. I want the person to 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 share with me openly about the about their experiences without guiding them or asking a leading uh, leading question like you know tell me uh, you know i ask a question like tell me about a time you dealt with an upset customer well any any of us can make up a story about how we dealt with an upset customer we can just pick the story right i've got a bunch of those yeah <laughs> <laughs> right um and we can make it great <laughs> but but if instead while I'm at, while we're, you're telling me your life story, you know, your career story mainly, um, you know, personal tends to get in there without even asking, right? So, so, you know, obviously we get in some gray areas, you know, you can't ask any of the, those kind of discriminating questions. But if you're asking somebody to talk about their career, their career history story, inevitably their life story gets in, 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 intertwined with that. You know, they they move to whatever city for their uh for for relationships or families and, and this and that and that gives you some insight and generally people will tell you and, and they tell you without you even asking, right? Absolutely. Um so, so it gives you so much more of a of a of a backstory of who this person really is and what what's motivating them.
0: This is interesting. So and and these are all questions that are kind of hard to put a put a finger on and, and then also questions that uh, may come up with other employees in the organization. I've, I've been meaning to ask, how many of these questions you know do you, do you reserve for yourself as a business owner or a manager? And you know, how does your staff play a role in bringing on? New employees, and I can give you a, kind of an example of where this question is coming sure. from. Uh, sure, We had a process where you know we would have some engineers uh, screen folks first, and then the second interview uh, after the screening would be an in-person one uh, where they'd come in, and a few other engineers would talk to those uh, talk to that candidate, and then I, as the manager, would try and get to the bottom of their motivations a little bit. Um, And then if if it was necessary to dig any deeper, we'd have uh, a follow on interview. But we tried to vary, you know, who was asking these questions. And ultimately, we found that so many times we were all asking the same questions or on the flip side, we were all asking completely different questions and found it hard to compare notes. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, how does uh, how do you split this up uh, amongst your staff? Should you and and what role should each person play in bringing on the new employee?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So I I think it's definitely good to get uh, other people involved in the the process. Uh, It's good for the candidate as well. So if I'm a candidate, I'm going into a company, uh, and I only meet with one person, the hiring manager, maybe two, maybe there's a recruiter or somebody, maybe it's just a handful of people, one or two people I'm meeting with. And we get to know those, those individuals. I don't really, as a candidate, I'm not going to get a good sense of who the organization is. What, what are the other people like? Um, so, so that's one aspect of it, why it's good to, good to involve as many people as possible. Um, but you, you touched on an interesting point. You know, you had this person interview with three or four or five or six different people and not necessarily all at the same time. Well, that's like, six hours of interviews.
0: It was a long, it was a long day for them.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a really brutally long day. Um, so the <laughs> punchline is there's a really simple solution. Is Group interviews, panel interviews are fantastic. Um, you can even move people in and out of those, you know, having really, really long interviews for key hires is definitely uh, really should happen. I mean, um and think about hiring as uh like dating you know who who gets married on a first date right right
0: <laughs> not often unless you're in Vegas right
1: yeah, exactly and usually you're under the influence of something else right <laughs> so so uh so most of us are drunk when we're hiring basically right It's <laughs> a great analogy. <laughs> So, you know, we really got to learn to, uh, uh, you know, take our time and, and, uh, you know, let's go on a few dates before we get, get married to these people. Uh, um, so we got to spend, in other words, and at the end of the day, what that really means for us is we got to spend enough time with people to really get to know them before we make that, that offer. Uh, but doing it together as a group, Makes it a lot easier to to for everybody to share the same experience and compare notes. So if there's five of us in here, I've got three engineers, I've got a a, a manager and a, and maybe an executive in the room. All all five of these people are going to have maybe slightly different perspectives and the way they see the world or how they're evaluating the candidate. Uh, but and we can all have our own questions. So that way we're asking unique questions throughout the interview. We're not duplicating the the same question over and over again. Right.
0: And yet everybody can Um, hear the answer to all the different questions all at once and, and put their own perspective on it.
1: Exactly. So I'll do this in that, that either that first in depth interview. So we've gone through a a phone, maybe a phone interview or pre-screening interview. It's usually shorter uh, assessment. And then that second interview will either be this panel Uh, or it'll be just with the hiring manager so you can flip flop them. And then the, then maybe the the second in-depth interview, uh, would be, you know, that panel or with just with the manager kind of thing.
0: Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now let me switch gears on you real quick. Um, most of our listeners, as you know, are, are business owners, um, and, I've heard people talk about, uh, small business owners specifically talk about how it's hard to compete with the large corporations when it comes to hiring, right? You just don't have sure. the resources that a Microsoft or a Google or a Procter & Gamble or whatever whatever it may be, you just don't have those resources when it comes to hiring to offer huge compensation packages and you know hiring bonuses and long vacations or you know whatever it is um how can a business owner that might be listening in play up the advantage that they have or what advantages do they have to get the best employees on board
1: yeah so um you, you know I, I i can relate to that quite a bit obviously uh uh you know we we you know a uh, small business as well um and we work with a lot of small business owners uh at the end of the day, most small business owners I'd like to think are entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the beauty of an entrepreneur is they're creating a, a, a vision, a dream uh, uh, of w- what they're doing and how that's going to impact the world and others and the benefit that's going to bring to to everybody around them and that they interact with. And, uh, you know, that story can be very, very compelling Um so I think one of the biggest advantages is to to really take advantage of that story, use that to inspire others. Um, you see a lot of stuff on leadership. You know, people follow leaders. They don't, they don't, they're not uh chained to them. Right. So, and they, they follow leaders because they're inspired by them. So mm-hmm. as a, you know, small business owner and as, a, as an entrepreneur, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, cr- create that inspiration for folks and you gotta, you gotta paint the picture for them of the vision and, and, and get them excited about it, right? Um, and I think a lot of people are excited about it and, and the, the downfall ultimately comes when we just don't do a very good job of selling it or, or presenting it, right?
0: Sure. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, and, and so many times that, uh, excitement is what pulls me continuously into working for small businesses or starting my own small business. It's just, uh, you know, the, uh, there's no better way to say it. The excitement of it, um, you know, being yeah. able to, uh, to have a much more direct influence on, uh, on people than you would have in say a larger corporation. Or at least a feeling of a, a larger yeah. influence, uh, whether that's yeah. true or not.
1: Yeah, and most small businesses too. I guess some other big selling, natural selling advantages is in a small business. Every role tends to be multidimensional, so you're not just stuck in the customer service department, or you know your admin is not just an admin; they are everything, right? They're sales support. They're Engi- engineering support their uh customer service they, they they touch all areas of the business right absolutely uh and they get an influence also in in the decision making oftentimes like you know usually you know if you have a key salesperson or a key engineer or a key technical person in, in your business you know they're gonna get a say in where the business is going ultimately
0: yeah it, I, I can uh, relate. uh... Very directly to what you're saying, because it was kind of trial by fire, you know, when I joined my first small business uh, and found myself in engineering and marketing positions on the same day, uh, and then flipping yeah. and, and being a salesperson the next. <laughs> and uh, trial and, by fire is
1: is how it was, how it was run. And for for a lot of people, that's exciting.
0: That right? was very exciting. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: So hiring people that have great attitudes that are willing to do whatever it takes to to make the team successful, you know, have great emotional intelligence, communication skills, who are, who are bright, you know, good critical thinkers, um, and who have the right ultimately personality for the position interest in the activities related to their job. Uh, you know, looking for those folks and focusing on them, uh, and not worrying so much about skills and experiences because we, as small businesses, we probably can't, ex- can't hire the person that has a PhD in mechanical engineering and has built rocket ships. Right. Just
0: <laughs> you know,
1: too like, expensive. Can't aff- too expensive. We just can't flat out afford them, And we may not be able to attract that person either because they're, you know, off with, you know, SpaceX, you know, building rockets. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so we got to change our, you know, we also got to mitigate our expectations on who we're going to get, we are going to be a little more flexible in that, but focus on the, th- on the core attributes that will allow that person to be successful over time with us and, and create an opportunity for somebody as opposed to, to trying to catch something that we can't probably realistically attain.
0: Got it. So uh, along those lines, how much, it's kind of a double question uh, in one, how, how much do you feel a business owner should invest in hiring versus all of the other expenses that they have to deal with? And then, you know, right along the lines of that, what, what's the one thing that you think, if they could only do one thing or they could only invest in one thing in their hiring process or their recruiting process, what's the one thing they could do to improve their team makeup and get those A players?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, obviously I believe investing in hiring recruiting is probably the number one thing you can do. Uh, uh, not that those other things aren't super important, but uh, I definitely come from the, the school of thought that if I, I get the right players on the bus, then the bus will be better than everybody else's, you know? Right. Um, so, uh, so then kind of th- to answer, I guess, the second half of that question is, you know, what is the one thing that I can do? Um, I, I, a common dilemma is small businesses and, and, and entrepreneurs is we feel like we don't have enough time to, Invest in this process. So uh, slow it down. Put the time and effort and energy in. There's no particular shortcuts that you can, that you can take. Uh, although if you practice, uh, interviewing and, and the only way you're going to do that is by interviewing a lot of people, by the way. So you can practice in your, your search. So I find too often people only interview one, two, three people for a job. How, how did you how did you call the 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 herd of resumes and applications and people down? Uh, I mean, Mike. I mean, you you were part of a you know very su- successful company that grew. You know, what what was your experience with that? I mean, how many how many engineers would you interview for a, you know a, a position before hiring Uh
0: Yeah, uh, more than three for sure. Um... You know, I, I can remember times looking at 50 resumes and filtering it down to five, and interviewing all five of those people, and deciding that we needed to go back to the drawing board and get 50 more resumes uh, and and start over. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes 10, 15, it. 20 people.
1: Yep, and th- and that's what you got to do, right? At the end of the day, so don't. Just don't run a, a funnel-style uh, interview process yeah, where you get 50, 50 resumes, interview three to five of those people, and select the last man standing, you know. Um, and, and practice. Interview the other people, the, you know, the, the borderline candidates, you know. Talk to, talk to a lot of people. It, it's a very educational process. And, you know, part of our business, uh, you know, we do executive search work. And I'm not an expert in every industry. I don't. I don't only have limited experiences in uh, certain areas of, of the business world, uh, you know, from a functional standpoint. Um, but just by interviewing a lot of candidates, like a lot of engineers, I know a lot about manufacturing engineering, right? And I've <laughs> never manufactured anything in my entire life.
0: That's your trial by fire, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. But I think as business owners, we can learn a lot, lot from the people that we interview, right? And, and then we're also practicing our interviewing skills. that's gotcha. so kind of a theme I think I keep presenting, right?
0: Yeah, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it is a big time investment. If you're just interviewing a few people, then, you know, the time investment isn't that big. But you also kind of get what you put into it, Um and, and, and you don't want to rely on luck. You don't want to have, uh, you know, a lucky shot fired where you get one really great person out of three. But then the next time, you know, you don't because the B players uh, are going to drag the team down. And the worst thing, yep. actually, that I've seen, and I, I, I'd love to ask your opinion on this, but I've seen many times where, you know, the B players will end up part of the interview process in the future and they hire the C players, and that's when things can kind of spiral <laughs> yeah.
1: out of control. Yeah, no, de- definitely. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what to say about that other than just you, you got to avoid doing that. You know, um, you, you know, we, sometimes we do end up with B players, you know, C players are definitely the worst, um, you know, B players, some inevitably they end up on our teams, um. But definitely do not want to uh, promote them and make them uh, put them into roles where they're making those key key decisions, uh, you know, on our behalf. So, yeah, yeah.
0: Now, now back to the uh, uh, recruiting process and kind of recruiting by the numbers. You know, we were pulling, as I said, you know, forty, fifty resumes down, and we were using tools like LinkedIn and monster.com and some of the places where you've published articles, right? Recruiter.com. Yep. Although I, I see a huge value in the service that you provide is that, are they complementary type, um, uh, websites and how does one utilize those, uh, effectively, uh, versus, you know, utilizing sort of the, the aptitude and the objective testing, um, that, yeah. that you're suggesting.
1: Well, obviously, when, when we go out to uh, hire, we have to market the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, the, the number one way to find more A players is to get your other A players to refer in uh, great pe- more A players, basically,
0: right? Uh, sure.
1: So, you know, going to job boards is sometimes a necessary evil, but it's kind of a a lazy way of doing it, I'd say, and, and I'm and I and we advertise aggressively, um, and there's right ways to do it and, and not as you know beneficial ways to, to to market jobs. But everything starts. Number one, start by tapping your network of your A players and getting them to recommend ten other great A players that they've worked with in the past, and get them to recruit those people in, and. and I mean, history, statistics, uh, all evidence points to that being the by far the best way of finding people, Get, finding more A players, that is.
0: Getting your A players to, to recruit the people that they know because they're likely surrounding themselves with other A players, is that the theory?
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly.
0: Makes a lot of sense,
1: yeah. Um, so I sort of sort of dodged the, 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 the job board question, but, but uh, you know those are all things that you, know, you definitely can utilize and should if, if you need
0: to. Well, I've used them extensively, and I've, I've probably used them inappropriately and maybe occasionally have gotten lucky. You said something interesting, and uh, I know we have to wrap up here for time, but kind of one final tactical question on recruiting. You mentioned that there's good ways of doing it, and bad ways of doing it. Good ways of marketing your job, and and bad ways. Well, just give us one example of of a good way to do it, and um, maybe contrast that with uh, something that you see a lot of people do that is is
1: poorly executed. Sure, sure. So we're going to stick with marketing a role. Is um, go go on Indeed or LinkedIn or wherever Monster, and uh, you know look up whatever role you're hiring for read all of the job, you know, three or four or five of the job descriptions that are similar to the one that you're hiring for. And my guess is you're probably going to have a hard time telling the difference between one company and the next. Hmm. And most job descriptions are, are written fairly ambiguously. There's again, there's nothing quantifiable or measurable in the job description that we're asking people to, to accomplish and we're not we're, we're giving an extremely more often than an extremely boring summary of who we are as a as a company. <laughs> uh yeah, I'm
0: guilty. I'm laughing because I've been guilty of that.
1: Yeah. A j- job ad is short for job advertisement. An advertisement is a marketing piece. Um for those of us who are marketers and I'm a I'm a aspiring one, uh, um nobody is going to respond to a boring uh, marketing piece or a marketing piece that doesn't inspire a positive emotional reaction.
0: I can see that. Yeah. You you want to hook them with not just tell them what the job is about, but hook them with what the job is about and why they would benefit coming to work for you and why, why things would be fun and exciting. Is that kind of what you're getting at?
1: Yeah, so, so if you're like me, uh, I'm, I'm not super creative and flowery. Uh, I have people on my team that are, and if I didn't, I would go to my marketing consultant and I'd have them write the job ad for me.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> great great tip, actually. Uh, even if you have one already written, maybe pass it by your marketing guy or gal and see what they say.
1: Exactly.
0: Fascinating. Wow, thanks. I, I feel like uh, I need to wrap up here just, uh, again, for sake of time. But I got to ask one last question. And it's not about recruiting. It's that you've been in business for an extremely long time, uh, by, by small business measure's sake, 30 uh, years, over 30 years.
1: Uh, over 30 years? Yeah, over over 30 years. Yeah, the the business has been been in place. Yeah.
0: So this is this is just incredible because um, I spend a lot of time scouring you know small business sites and um, and looking at uh, sort of marketing information and and I find over and over again that so many, in fact, over half, over 50 percent of small businesses fail in the first five years. So for anybody that's in that critical time, what non recruiting business advice could you give to somebody listening in out there to make a lasting business, a lasting and successful business like, like
1: yours? Well, I, I'd say the, the one thing that the reason why this business is, has been around for so long is because it's reinvented itself. I'd say at least three times. So, uh, I think, for us, that was the success. I think that's true. We see that in large businesses. Uh, I think Apple is a fantastic example of that, right? They were, you know, had these, these great, great, uh, computers back in the day. And was, I'm, I'm a little too young to really know, but, uh, you know, I remember playing Oregon trail, you know, and it's cool on the Apple computer. Great you game. Know? <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then uh, you know, then they like Apple disappeared from my life, and then all of a sudden the iPhone came out.
0: Yeah, that's, that's and I've owned true.
1: like four of them. You
0: know, so you've reinvented yourself a few times to to keep with the times or to or to keep following the the market trends, and that's uh, that's what's kept you guys going and and trucking along.
1: Yeah, we we haven't stayed stagnant, right? Yeah, we're, we're we're always trying to advance and innovate what we're doing and, and evolve, right?
0: Yeah, for anybody who knows Oregon Trail out there, uh, that's just so that you don't die of dysentery, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the Donner Pass or something. Right?
0: That's right. It always happened halfway through the path.
1: Well, yeah. this was
0: uh, this was super awesome. Thank you so much for your time and for all the great insight you've given us into recruiting and, and hiring uh, and just and running a business uh, for for 30 years again I'm amazed by that that's fantastic. So if people are interested in contacting you and reaching out and in reading your blog what's the best way to get in touch?
1: Yeah, so the the best way to, to reach us um, you can you can call us directly. Uh, phone number is area code 714 582 Two seven three zero. Again, that's seven one four five eight two two seven three zero. Website is thehiretalent.com, dot and hire is spelled H I R E. Um, so that's a good way. Or LinkedIn, you can look me up. I have probably the most unique name uh, I can I could think of. So uh, Fletcher Wimbush, you can find us on LinkedIn uh, pretty, pretty readily there. Um, so yeah, one of, one of those methods is always a great way to, uh, to to connect with us. And we're always happy to to chat about, you know, hiring and recruiting. We very, very passionate about it.
0: That's really great. Thank, thanks so much again. This was, uh, this was awesome Uh, for for everybody listening in. We're going to make sure that we post, uh, any links or books or tools or other things that we talked about. Uh, and we'll have the links to the higher, uh, talent. <laughs> Did I get that right? The higher, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, the higher uh, talent. Yeah. And, uh, and the phone number as well. So that's, it's very easy for people to get to you.
1: Thanks again. Cool. Awesome. All right, Mike. Thanks. Have a good one.
0: That's all for now. Thanks for listening in. We hope this interview on hiring and recruiting gave you some ideas to help grow a healthy, thriving business that you've always envisioned with purpose and speed. If you just found the podcast and are listening in, come join us at www.moderndavinci.net and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Not only will you receive free weekly coaching tips, tools, and resources, we'll also put the full transcript to this interview as well as links to thehiretalent.com and any other resources that we referenced during the show. Until next time, thanks again, take care, and stay in touch.